Have you seen the well-to-do up and down Park Avenue on that famous thoroughfare with their noses in the air, high hats and arrow collars, fast spacks and lots of dollars, spending every dime for a wonderful time? Special purpose acquisition companies. It's all the rage on Wall Street. We have our very own success story here in this region, Angami, the music streaming service, which is taking advantage of that to get onto capital markets and fuel its next phase of growth. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor and Co-host. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mustafa. So we're going to talk to Angami uh, in a moment or so, but it might be worth uh, giving a bit of a primer to our listeners about SPACs. SPACs, SPACs, SPACs. So hot right now. Okay, so the count from the last 15 months stretches to 474 SPACs. Together, they've raised $156 billion, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. So I feel like between Shaquille O'Neal, Richard Branson, Lucid Motors, Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, SoftBank Group, we've all seen the headlines that these SPACs are happening. They're, they seem prolific all of a sudden. And now Spotify's rival in the Arab world, Angami, will be the first regional tech startup to list on NASDAQ with a blank check company in the second quarter of 2021. So, Mustafa, can you explain to me what a SPAC is? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's essentially a very fast way of getting a listing without having to go through the rigmarole and the difficulty and, and perhaps the inefficiency of a proper initial public offering, which you know the pricing of the company, the valuation would depend on interest from investors, requires you to go around and do a roadshow to talk to all of them. And there are certain requirements in terms of uh, you know, share ownership. Um, in, ge- in general, the IPO process is expensive, it's time consuming, and it's risky. So mm-hmm. a SPAC, as far as I can see, removes a lot of that. And given that um, it's quick, um, and these days, you know, we need quick things to be going on, and it gives a company that's in fast growth mode, high growth mode, a chance to, to take that leap, then it, for some companies, it makes sense. It seems for Angami management uh, and, and investors have made that decision. Sure. So for Vista's media acquisition company, which is the SPAC that will be taking Angami public on the NASDAQ. They are a consortium of you know, entertainment financiers and executives based mostly in Singapore who said, hey, you know, we have expertise in this field. We can probably find a viable company that will be successful and has you know, strong growth potential to list. So they make the pitch and then go out to drum up investor interest to actually pull together the funds to acquire something like Angami. And so they uh, go out and scout, they go out and target and find a company. And so Angami was was their choice and it has to be sort of a meeting, a happy marriage of two. Uh, but they do bring their own expertise to the table for the most part. And I think the SPAC mania we're now seeing really speaks to just how much the COVID-19 pandemic just cut through so much so much BS, so much of our, um, you know, everything needs to be fast. It needs to be done remotely. I think in VMAX position, they essentially send out a, a pitch deck to prospective investors saying, hey, 
do you want to do you want to get in on this? It's so much different from an IPO process. Well, let's find out the uh, the steps that were taken and 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 perhaps the the backstory for Angami. We we spoke to Eli Habib, co-founder and chief technology officer. Let's listen to that now. Eli, thanks for being with us. Uh, thank you, Mustafa. I'm I'm happy to be with you. I'd I'd like to hear a little bit about the um, the story of the company of, of how you arrived here. I have to say, though, that from, from my point of view, I'm always interested also to know why co-founders decide to um, jump into uh, capital markets, whether it's through um, you know, a special purpose acquisition company or otherwise, because you've spent so many years building up a business, going for growth. And then it seems to me an interesting um, angle to open up to because suddenly you have to uh, do a lot more work, the company on the capital market side, on the investor relations side. And also lately, stock markets have become, you know, the Wild West. If you factor in social media, the Robinhood app, um, the last few weeks have been pretty colorful um, on Wall Street. So, you know, maybe you can frame it for us, Ellie. You know, what, you know, where did, where did Angami come from and where is it going? Yeah, I mean... Uh, you, you nailed it. Yeah, it, it just makes a lot of sense. Your questions are really on uh, on point. So let me tell you how we view things. Uh, roughly ten years ago, we, me and Eddie, my partner, were on a ski trip, and we were simply uh, amazed at the idea of how complicated was it to listen to music and to get the latest songs and to transfer them to an iPod and and Paris and all of that, because it, there was no legal way to really get music. And that's how Angami got started. I, I, I'm a techie. I mean, that's what I do. I, I like to work on products and like to create stuff, stuff out of thin air. Uh, and for me, I, I was like intrigued. Can we do something around that story? And uh, I got into it and I hadn't written anything around mobile apps and all of that was still very new uh, back in the days. And we got into it simply believing we needed to scratch an itch. Uh, after, you know, if, a, a, a roughly a year after that, uh, that uh, ski trip, we launched Angami and we launched because we really thought we could, you know, we had bigger ambitions. You know, we could do something, we could launch and mobile was interesting. And mobile made a whole difference because at the time when we started discussing it, we, mobile apps were not even there. So uh, then we realized that mobile is going to be the growth. We started from mobile. We really focused on small things. We started really small and we did not have such big ambitions. Uh, but then uh, our user base, our customers really taught us that you, we, there's a lot of opportunities, so we really jumped back as, really straight in. We started with just a million dollars of investment, which is in, recent, in current times is like really insignificant. Uh, many years later, uh, we, we grew significantly. You know, at um, today, you know, I, I've, I realized that Angami is, you know, is, we have roughly 60% of the market in the region, those numbers come from various uh, industry sources, not per, from our end, right? And we're that's a really we have a lot of growth opportunities to do, and we believe that n nothing has been scratched in terms of real music streaming across the region over here. Why am I saying that? 
Because honestly, the first competitor, the second, the third are piracy, nothing but piracy. I think we have roughly around 7% of the market uh, in the region in terms of penetration. And that is nothing, you know, I mean, the odds are still in many people's favor, right? And we lead the way, but there's still a lot to be done. So why SPAC? And this is very important question. Uh, This is first time I try to explain it publicly, actually. We need to grow. Uh, Angami has raised a, a quote-unquote only $26 million uh, since we started. We've been very frugal in spending. We don't spend much. We spend only what we need to, and we really invest in engineering and our talent. Uh, we've invested in marketing, but not that much relatively, uh, because we really like our users to tell about our product. This, we think, is the best way uh, to have a, um, instead of having VCs, to have a million uh, users paying with us, a two million users paying with us. That's the best way we can grow our company. Uh, over the past few years, especially in COVID, uh, I mean, culminating in COVID, we noticed that VCs started becoming opportunistic while we were actually starting a raise. It's very funny that we our raise was supposed to start, our tour uh, was supposed to start 16 March, 2020. And that happens to be almost exactly when UK closed down because our tour was starting from uh, London. Uh, We realized it was like gonna be weird doing all of that over Zoom and uh, that's just almost a year from now. Uh, So we started doing that and we met with a lot of interesting VCs uh, and Everybody was hyped and interested with our story and wanted to invest, but the terms did not make sense to us. Uh, at the same time, in parallel, we were viewing, you know, uh, the capital markets, the states especially, where a lot of companies were actually using COVID times as an opportunity to take on debt and buy companies and consolidate and grow. So from one end, People, uh, companies who had access to the capital markets, uh, had access to the most liquid market ever, which is the US, were actually investing more and more uh, and actually using the same techniques of the VCs, which is like being opportunistic, trying to push prices down and investing more and acquiring. We've seen also several acquisitions at the same time in the Middle East because it makes sense when the markets is, are down to actually invest for, for the upside. All of that uh, just you know, got us thinking whether there is a way for us to grow beside the VC uh, route, which we were going through. And it just happened that we bumped into VMAC, which happened to be the SPAC sponsors, where they have a mandate on media they were looking in several media companies. Their SPAC was 100 million, which just happens to be uh, a, a number that we're interested in and very close to what we were seeking. And the VMAC team is from Singapore, but they have a lot of um, interest in media and they have a lot of experience in media. So suddenly, uh, without us originally having planning for it, we just realized that SPAC is an option. It's, a, it's an innovation in fundraising. And it's an innovation that allows companies to tap into public markets before uh, you know, 
maybe they would they would mean mature enough, but they to help us grow significantly. If you remember, if you go back uh, to a bit of the earlier days, if you question when did Amazon go public, Amazon went public three years after uh, you know uh, founding. Three years. Now companies go public roughly 20 years after founding or 15 or whatever. Uh, it, the market shifted, but SPAC is actually accelerating, uh, you know, back the idea of you can go public earlier because it makes sense, because you can tap into public markets and because you can grow significantly more if you're ready for it. Clearly, we had, uh, you know, governance uh, we have public, I mean, numbers are public versus the labels. We are a music streaming service. So we had already to clean up shop to deliver data to the labels regularly. Uh, regularly, as in some labels daily get our data, some labels on monthly basis. Telco companies get access to our data also, and we get access to the data very regularly. So we uh, we already have governance. Clearly, we don't have investor relationship relations, which... We're gonna, you know, uh, you know, up our game on that. But it's it's very challenging. I agree, but it's an innovation to be able to suddenly say we're giving away for our VCs to exit if they want to. Uh, most of the VCs won't be exiting at all. Actually, they want they they're very much interested into the ride into public market, but they have that option. And at the same time, we have. Uh, we as a company, as founders, as management, are still have the biggest controlling stake in the company and are able to, you know, take the company on what I'm calling is chapter two, which is a totally different way of looking at things and different mindset and really supercharging growth. So chapter two, an inflection point for growth. I want to talk about this growth momentum that you're speaking to. But first, I want to talk about the deal with VMAC, this is media acquisition company, which targeted you guys and has since valued your company at $220 million, about two and a half times uh, your estimated revenue for 2022. So SPACs have a bit more wiggle room in valuing the businesses they buy as opposed to how companies get valued through an IPO when financial results are more in focus. So I'm curious, SPACs can basically base deals on projections. How was Angami valued? It's a good question, but honestly, in terms of SPACs or VCs, they would still do the same thing. It depends on hmm. the market and, and it depends on the VC. It depends on uh, how much the VC actually understand in your business and see the opportunity and understand the story that we're trying to do, right? So for us, we believe that there's a lot of opportunity in, in you know, we've built a product, we've built a platform across a lot, uh, you know, a lot of devices across a lot of uh, countries and tapping into a special payment network that we've implemented, we've developed an advertising platform that we implemented, a, a recommendation system that's based to understand Arabic music way different than others that we've developed, a lot of stuff that we've developed. So a VC or a partner or a SPAC or whatever that understand and see the potential in the business realizes that that's actually there's a lot of upside and a lot of opportunity. So it's not exactly about the valuation, but it's about what we will do 
with the capital, with what, what I call super uh, charging the fuel that we're having to grow. Uh, so uh, for us, yeah. having the 2.5x uh, on 2021 revenues is actually might be on the low side. For us, uh, the SPAC uh, gave us a, a way to actually raise funds relatively fast, and we value time much more than anything else. Having access to that much capital that we will be able to deploy within two months from now, as well as debt that we can take because on the capital market, trumps any sort of valuation discussion or, or, or you know, um, 2.5 or 4x. So for us, that's the big thing because let's talk about that a year from now and and figure out that that 100 million injection of capital, which is four times more than what we've ever raised, what will that do to Angami? What would that allow to Angami to do? And then eventually the valuation is going to be something that we say, oh, right. I mean, it, it really didn't, it didn't matter at the time. Your, your pride in the products that you've built over the last year, eight years as the CTO is, is strongly felt in that, in that answer, I think. Um, VMAC said in its investor presentation, they, they absolutely, of course, agree with you that Angami is at an inflection point for growth. Um, I'm curious if you can dig into where you see that growth happening. Does it happen geographically? Does it happen in product development? Does it happen in advertising, marketing? Like, how are you going to tap into growth in a way that you have never done so before? Exactly. Anytime we meet with any particular company, and we've met with all the companies that work in our field, and I look at our product, and we look what we've created, and thank you for pointing out to, to my pride. I mean, yes, exactly. I mean, I have pride in the product and, and my team. That's the most important thing. So anytime we meet with anybody and they ask us, you've built a product that's actually, you know, has a lot of things. I mean, it, it has access, you know, we've built platforms on to, to create a product that eventually in different company, uh, different uh, territories don't have to create, right? Like an ad platform or like a payment platform. Those are two things that no, uh, you know, music service originally start by working on. In our case, we, we lacked infrastructure in the region, so we had to do that. We also created an artist platform allowing artists to directly upload content to the to Angami, which we I think we are the only you know major I mean or comparative streaming service that has such a thing, uh, because you know the our region has a lot of uh, has a lack of proper label systems, so we needed to act as one. Uh, we will grow first in in innovation and in R and D. And I, in my Twitter thread, I actually mentioned, finally, we will be able to invest in R&D. I, I stress on finally, because we've a team of 60 engineers created Angami. Everything that we've done was created with only 60 engineers. And that is called discipline for me. Being able to do all of that, have a vision, implement it, grow it with a relatively very small number of engineers. I mean, if I compare to any closest uh, company, you know, they have like at least uh, five times more engineers. That is at least one, as I said, R&D innovation on the product. We believe there's a lot that we will be doing over there. I'll talk a bit on one thing in a bit. Two, we're going to be investing much more in going deeper into territories that are important for us into this region in Middle East. Uh, one, Saudi and Egypt, we're going to be doubling, tripling in investments over there. We're going to be uh, investing the, for the first time in the Arab diaspora. 
there are roughly 600 million Arab people across the world. We've not talked to them ever, even though that they've they visit us. A lot of them, you know, uh, is actively using Anami. We've we need to invest in diaspora. Three, we're going to be going through to other emerging markets in the region. Uh, sorry, outside of the region that are relevant to us that have the same uh, modus operandi that we've 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 got good at, and some of them, you know, are. Uh, are clear. Some of them are might be uh, surprising, but for us, we think we have uh, a lot of interest in going through that. And then we're going to be in, investing a lot in content. Uh, let me give you two numbers. One percent. That's the percentage of our catalog that has Arabic music. So basically, we have 57 uh, million uh, songs available right now in Algami and international songs. So not, we have everything from uh, English to Italian to uh, Arabic to Indian to Pakistani to whatever you think of available on, on the platform. Uh, and, but 1% of those is Arabic. That's a number. Hold on to it. 50% the second number. 50% of our of the usage on, on Anghami platform is in Arabic music. So basically, 50% of our usage comes in from just 1% of the catalog. That's a very weird number. So clearly, we want to invest in growing the 1%. We want to invest in, young, in youth across the region that want to create music, but that can't create music because there aren't a lot of labels. There aren't a lot of opportunities to create music in the region. So yes, I mean, we want to go deeper into Saudi and investing in youth over there in Egypt and anywhere across the uh, Arab world. Uh, and want to want get get people who are Arabs that are not in the in currently in the region. Like for instance, there is Eliana, a Palestinian artist that is that's picking up and growing in Angami. She's based out of LA right now. We want to invest in in a lot of talent across the world. We believe Arab music can grow, can have a global hit, and we're banking on that. Ellie, can I jump in because? The music part, which, you know, we talked a lot about the investing part and the, the, the kind of numbers side of the business. But when it comes to the music, earlier you talked about your competition being in this region, piracy. And if I look back at the history of digital platforms and music, then, and I go back to Napster and I think about Apple Music and, and Spotify now and now Angami, the, there's been a lot of an antagonistic relationship between the artists, the labels, and the digital platforms, the, this, the change of control over the last two, two and a half decades. But in this region, how do you compete with piracy? How do you compete with a tradition of people paying nothing or paying very little for their music? Um, you know, how do you take back control? And, and, and the advantage, I guess, that you have is that the artists and the labels are on your side. You just said, you're, you're almost going to become a label in your own right as well. So you're very much on that side. How do you beat the pirates? They're so fragmented. They're everywhere. And enforcement from government authorities isn't necessarily something you can count on. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. That's a $1 billion question. So basically, you know, when we started, we wanted, we said, this is our target. This is piracy is our target. And we started by, by saying 
that we want to pirate the pirates. That was our motto. And Ghani is here because we want to pirate the pirates. To do that, one, we want to provide a very simple user experience. We want to be everywhere where the users are. Two, we want to have a comprehensive content catalog. Anything that you want, we want to know it. We want to have it. We want to understand it. We want to understand the behavior of the users because it does not matter if you have a lot of data about your user of about users how they listen to in in London or or Paris or LA or whatever. It matters what the users in the region listen to and how they connect to certain music and what do they expect of music on the morning and the evening or whatever. So the data is very important for us to be able to create proper models of people in the region, which honestly are very different uh, across. So someone in Tunis listens to music very differently than someone in Kuwait or for someone in Abu Dhabi or Dubai or Beirut. That is very important. So uh, uh, I said one, two, three, it's like the price. It has to be very affordable. It has to be also free. And we want to be accessible, available across the region for everyone. So those how is how we decided to pilot the pilot. We we had to educate people. We had to educate people about what how you use you know a music streaming app about subscription concepts, about uh, you know understanding that it doesn't matter that if we have 50 million songs or 100 million songs or whatever number of songs is irrelevant. We need to give you the 30 songs that you need now and you have to enjoy it and you need to understand your profile and everything about that. And we wanted to educate also the ecosystem. So when we went first to the labels and told them, we want to pay you, we want to give you mu- uh, money for music, for digital music. The guys look at us with like, really? Are they serious? I mean, who is paying, uh, you know, us music, uh, music labels, giving us money to use, uh, to create something called the music streaming service. Everybody did not understand what was it, but they were like eager to take the money, obviously. So we educated labels about music streaming in the region. We educated artists. We tried to tell artists how they will get value in actually putting their music on on Angami and uh, how they can grow their follower base. Because unlike Twitter, unlike Facebook, unlike all of those, Instagram, we will get their music uh, across all of their user base. We will not tell you that we will actually only give access to 1% of your user followership and you have to pay to reach the 100%. No, we'll promote your music because we have skill in the game. The more we actually grow your user base, the more we grow people who listen to your music, the more we will actually grow and benefit. So we're the only people who have skill in the game. And we went to brands and told them, see what you have in Angami, the youth is is with music. The use associate with music. And Rami is an emotions game. You listen to music because you want to fly, because you want to cry, or because you are in love and all of that. We only understand the emotions and can get your uh, the user, your uh, you know your, the people that you want to reach that Gen Z, that whatever millennials, whatever call them, the people who are biking in in Dubai somewhere in a Friday 5 a.m. You can reach them because we know about them. So we had to educate all of the market. And to answer your question, yes. We pilot the pirates by providing all of that ecosystem. And that is does not happen in a day nor a year. But so far, we're getting our vision is getting across. Our story is getting across. And with all of uh, 
the baggage that we created and we've we, we've gotten with this IPO, we're going to really uh, fly that through the roof. Expect big stuff coming up because suddenly we prepared the ground, but now we're building, we're upping up with our tower, if you want to say. So, Ellie, that's a remarkable vision that you have. Um, it's very, very impressive. And, you know, I think everyone... Um, and and maybe even the pirates hope hope you you beat them uh, on some level, as you said, very emotional, very emotive. We all love our music, but does that down the line at some point, all that work you're doing, all that infrastructure you're putting in place, the educating, essentially what it does is it prepares the ground for a number of rival rivals to spring up in the region. If you look at the equivalent in the TV streaming, the video streaming, how many players there are in the region now. So how will you defend your position once you've kind of opened yourself up? Uh, yeah, great, great question. So basically, for us, we, we know we're, we're leading, but we're welcome competition. It just validates what we're doing. How we defend it by localization. We're the local people. We are on the ground. We have boots on the ground in all the cities in the region. We understand our user base. We have data that is incomparable to anybody because we have uh, roughly close to 70, 80 billion data points that we've collected on on usage in the region that is incomparable. Nobody knows uh, as much as us the taste uh, of the people in that region. And we're using that data to build content that is unique to us Uh, and that is exactly how I define localization. It's not about writing stuff in Arabic. It's understanding the users. It's building payment networks that the user can pay and can subscribe easily in the region because we understand that people cannot only pay by credit card. So that's why we're connected to 36 telcos and we have data from then and we provide zero zero rated data also on many telcos to allow people to start using and playing music without spending data because we understand how people uh, think in this region. So we have a special source that we develop. And clearly when competition came in the region, a lot thought that, oh, right. I mean, now that competition came and Ghani is going to crumble because I don't probably have that much money or that much clout when others have much more money. And clearly we came up on top a few years later and without raising capital, right? We are coming up on top. And last time we raised capital was in 2016. That tells you that we must have been doing something very right. And we hope to validate it in a few years from now. Something else you did this year, Angami left its birthplace of Lebanon to go to Abu Dhabi's tech accelerator Hub 71 back in January. When you began Angami, you were focused on being mobile first and developing an app that could maintain good sound quality even on 2G networks. And now here we are today talking about 5G and even 6G networks. And you're talking to us about 80 billion data points that you have since gathered. So when you think about that arc, and here you are now sitting in Abu Dhabi, what are you focused on these days? What are you hiring for? Are you looking at podcasts? What products are exciting to you? What's what's the tech focus wearing your CTO hat? Uh, okay, I'll put that on. So basically, one, uh, Abu Dhabi has been investing in innovation in AI, machine learning. And, uh, you know, when we were doing discussions with them and they showed me the focus that they have 
on research and development. And you know how, how much we were willing to do more investment in research and development? I was sold. Simply, you know, the geek in me came up and it's actually, you know, all what I want. Because we, I believe that we, need, we as, a, as an Arab nation as a whole should invest much more in R&D and research and development to be able to create uh, our own unicorn, our own tech giant or whatever you want to call it. It, it, it might be Angami, it might be so many companies that we don't even know the names right now. The whole point is that investment is important as much as it was important to invest in oil in the 50s and the 60s. For now, this is the oil. Data and machine learning and intelligence and innovation is what we what we care about. So moving to from Lebanon uh, as our HQ is moving our engineering talent to here is one is allows us to get much more exposed to that R&D and innovation and machine learning that I mentioned, but allows us also to attract talent from across the world that would be willing to move to such a you know country as a city such as Abu Dhabi, and I could not attract them to move to Dubai, uh, to Beirut. Sorry. I love Beirut, I love Lebanon, that's my roots. But you know, you grow up and you move out of your parents' home, that's fine, that's so, you know, your adult life. And now it's for us, uh, this is exactly what we're doing uh, by moving to Abu Dhabi. On the innovation and on podcasts, all of that, we believe audio as a whole has not been scratched properly. Uh, because if you realize that uh, you still listen to the radio on, on, on your car in the same way as before. There was no innovation whatsoever on that. And when we created podcast, not we, I mean, when, when the podcast term was created, it was exactly the show that you listen to on the radio, but in just a format recorded differently, but it's just the same. We believe, you know, we, that has to become much more social. You know, you have social networks, you have all of that. Audio is still basically kind of a passive that not exactly no innovation that happened over there we want to target the ear it's a weird uh, sentence but honestly uh we we need to actually be there with our users we need to provide them music but we need to provide much more than music and we the, we're targeting attention anytime the user is actually listening to anything on his phone, he could be using Angami. Why not, right? I mean, I want to be part of that journey. And uh, an audio app like us has an advantage over anything else because you could be browsing music, uh, browsing, you know, news, whatever right now on the national site uh, reading, but at the same time listening to this podcast. You see, so as an audio app, we have a power. We can be with the user, wherever he is. And that's a very important channel, the ear. Because we might not be on the eyes, but the ear is always with us. There is a lot of innovation coming up on this front. We'll talk about it in the next spot, in another podcast, maybe. Eli Habib from Angami. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks so much for talking with us. And definitely, we will come back and pick up on your story. Thank you uh, for, for having me. And I hope uh, the listeners will enjoy and follow, uh, follow me on Angami. Kelsey Warner, co-host, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mustafa. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe or leave a review. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Please do join us again next time.